Hello and welcome to this week's Therapy for Me. And yet again, it's 20 past 7, it's Saturday morning, and I'm kind of flapping around to try and get a lot of stuff done because uh, I've got a fairly hectic morning but then a fairly easy afternoon so it's a kind of a alarm goes off Saturday morning um, to to get on with things like this and I really must sort myself out and start recording this on a on a Friday night um, because it, it kind of feels a little bit like a pressure thing doing it on a Saturday morning I'm I'm against the clock um, to get it out for nine o'clock and I don't know whether I like that or not I'll I'll think about it while I'm recording. I'll let you know at the end. Uh, Right, let's crack on and let's have a bit of that twangy guitar. Monday. I kind of want to start the week on coffee. Um, I'm quite happy to talk about coffee a lot of the time because I spend quite a lot of my time um, drinking coffee. Uh, I, on average, have three cups of coffee a day and I do like my coffee. Um, But years and years and years ago, we had a Nespresso machine and for whatever reason it it ceased to work. I can, well, I can tell you the reason it ceased to work, according to Nespresso, is because we used uh, knockoff capsules in it, which might actually be, be true. But a little bit of plastic in this machine actually broke um, and it it was one of those things where it was a very special piece of plastic and you couldn't then repair the machine uh, or at least that's what I was told. Um, so we we stopped uh, using the Nespresso machine and we went back to using the cafetiere and then we've had numbers of conversations about getting something like that, getting a machine that you put pods in um, because uh, there's a couple of reasons. One um it's easy and quick if there's one person making one coffee. Um, and secondly, if you want to make something like a flat white or a latte or something of that ilk, it's far easier to do um, with with a machine that makes a very small shot of, of strong coffee. Um, it's very difficult w- with a cafetiere to make a, a single shot of strong coffee. That's kind of... I mean, you can try and do it, but it doesn't seem to work... Um, as well as when you use, you know, one of the capsule-based machines, or if you use one of the espresso ma- makers that you put on the the, the, t- the top of the the, t- the top of the hob. Um, but the reason why we've not gone back to that is an environmental reason. So you know, we got caught up in the whole conversation about how bad for the planet the little um, the little pots are, the little um, sort of coffee pods, um, and I know. Certainly with Nespresso, we used to send ours back to Nespresso for whatever they did with them. So that you would you would get a bag from them uh, and you literally filled your bag with pods and you just you just put it in the post. It didn't cost you anything. Um and and it and it disappeared off, or you could drop it off at an Nespresso shop and they did whatever they did. And in a kind of a greenwashing kind of thing, I don't know what they did. I just felt better having done something. I never actually investigated whether this was just a very good marketing ploy or whether they actually did do something that was sustainable with with those pods because um obviously the uh, the, the point was they just they just went into landfill um but i was reading a report this week which has made me kind of come back to this whole concept of of a pod based machine because from what they were saying the pods might be the best 
um, thing for the planet in terms of those of us who drink coffee. Actually, the best coffee for the planet is instant coffee. Um, and while that fills me with dread because I really don't like instant coffee, the reason why instant coffee is the best for the planet is because you use exactly the right amount of coffee every time you make a cup and there's no waste. And the big reason why um, we've got problems or why they were saying there's problems with things like cafetiers or where you use, uh, it's not loose coffee, but you know what I mean, you use um, coffee beans or you used um, ground coffee, is that invariably you use far more than you actually need. And it comes down to the production cost of coffee itself. So the, the, the impact of making coffee is not great, or the impact of, of, of growing the beans and then harvesting the beans and getting them sent to where they need to be sent to and all those kind of things is really not good for the planet. So actually, bizarrely, what we need to do is cut down on the amount of coffee that we use every time we make a cup, which is where pods come in. So I'm still not 100% convinced Um but it might be, and I can see certainly in our house that we often make, we make a cafeteria coffee for the two of us, and I reckon there's probably half a cup every single time that's wasted. And I have, I've, somehow I've got a block, and I make the same amount every time. And, and so in that respect, I'm part of the problem. So maybe now is the time to turn back to, to, to a pod or, or some kind of hybrid solution. I don't know. This is very intensely coffee for a start of the week, but have a thought. What do you do? Uh, and I don't know if tea is the same. I guess tea's better because bags are... But then what if you use extra bags? I don't know. This has really got me quite perplexed now uh, about something that was there, arguably, as a, as a de-stressor. Tuesday. ACS stands for the Association of Convenience Stores, and they launched their report today into rural shops. Uh, it's called the Rural Shop Report, um, which must have taken them hours, to be honest, uh, for 2023. And they put on an event to launch the Rural Shop Report. And I was invited to the event that launched the Rural Shop Report, and I decided to go. Um, now, you probably at this point are starting to wonder what the hell I would do going to the Rural Shop Report. And there are slight kind of tie-ins to my day job. Um, but the reason I really wanted to go to this event was because it was held in the Churchill Room in the House of Commons. And it fulfilled a lifelong ambition for me to go to um, the, the, the Palace of Westminster. And I went down on the train and um, had a stroll from um, St Pancras down to, um, to down to Westminster, and then essentially wandered up and said, "I've come for this event," and was given a badge and went through airport type security uh, before I managed to get in. And we went down into what is an is a I mean it's a massive building, and it's certainly the building itself is 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 not dominated by the chambers. Uh, it's the same as everybody says that the chambers are a small part of this of this sprawling state. And we went we went you walk through central lobby, which is nothing like as big as you think it will be. So when you see central lobby on telly, which is where they do a lot of the interviews, and there's people always walking past, um, that's because it is it is like a roundabout. It's like a junction. It's like a crossroads actually, not a roundabout. It's like a crossroads, like a circular crossroads. And, uh, and 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 there's loads going on, and that's where people meet and mingle. Um, and you've got the House of Lords in one direction, you've got the the House of Commons in the other, and then you've got the Great Hall on one side, and then you go off to a load of other a load of other uh, arena rooms on the other side. And um, 
it was a couple of things. I mean, one, I, I did the thing I wanted to do, which is I went, I, I sat in on a debate um, on the House of Commons for a little while. I sat in on a debate in the House of Lords for a little while. Um, the Commons is, everybody says the chamber's small, and it is. But what they don't say is it's high. So the bit that you that you think of when you go and sit in the public gallery, the public gallery is really quite large. And when you go and sit in the public gallery, uh, you realise that as much as it is quite a compact little kind of viper's nest almost at the bottom, that actually um, it then it then will probably house the same amount of people again just by going up. It's like one of those very tall football stadiums uh, and it's got this very high roof so the the impression of size is a lot different when you're in there in the gallery to what you necessarily see on the you know on the, on the television certainly the benches are very close together there's absolutely no doubt you are face to face at the dispatch dispatch box with your opposite number but the but the the thing itself um in, in terms of the height of it is much bigger than i expected it to be i was quite quite impressed by how much size there was when you got, I guess, out of the first floor. Um, the, the Lords doesn't have the gallery running around all the way to quite the same extent, and, and he's a, definitely a bigger building. Um, but the way the Lords was operating, it's a little bit more, maybe it's just because the Lords, it, it felt a little bit more um, kind of low-key and a little bit more almost like the junior school version of it compared with the Commons, which seemed to be a little bit more business-like in what they were doing, which seems bonkers when you think about the Commons, but actually in terms of the way it operated, everybody seemed to know the rules, whereas, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's getting so many people together of a certain age, but, you know, the Lords were a little, was a little bit more uh, like a... Uh, well, it felt a little bit more like a, a, a debate in a, you know, in a care home, which to a certain extent, I guess that's what it is. But then I'm not going to knock the Lords too much because I do think they do some incredibly good work. And I think there's a portion of the Lords who are to be lauded, though I do think there's probably a whole load of it that, that you know, is a little bit like a debate in a care home. But all that aside, just just being there for the day um, was 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 really really great, and I am definitely going to go again. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit in on a debate for a lot longer. I'm actually going to go and take it in, uh, rather because I didn't have a lot of a lot of time. But now I've been down there and seen it and done it and realised it's relatively easy to do. I mean, I think you'd struggle to get in for PMQs, but I think the rest of the time you'd probably be fine. So uh, that's that's I've got it's a tick box, but it's a tick box with that kind of caveat that I'm 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 going to go and do it again. <laughs> Which brings me to PMQs this week, and I listened to it in the car um, on the way back from somewhere, on the way back from the dentist actually, listened to it in the car on the way back from the dentist, and I felt something that I, I think we haven't felt for a while, and this probably does take us back, and there's parallels here with John Major, but Keir Starmer's been getting stronger and stronger every week, has he's worked out what his attack line is Um for um, for Rishi Sunak, and they're going very much with 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 weakness. And of course, that was an open goal this week with everything that's going on with uh, uh, Nadim Sahawi and the fact that uh, Rishi had tried to draw a line under it last week by saying, "I'm I'm fully satisfied. I've got all the facts. I've I've heard everything. I'm I'm fine. Nothing nothing more to see here. Only to find that a load more stuff came out um, over the weekend, and him him having to say." I've 
you know, I've I've asked my ethics advisor to to start an in- inquiry on the back of the fact that I've heard more stuff, and I think it's right that we have an inquiry, and you know, new information has come to light. At which point, everybody just, you know, the the the, the chamber just collapsed almost in incredulity and laughter at the you know at the at the irony of of where we were. But the bit that was new, uh, and that they're certainly hitting this this weak attack line, which is which is the one that Blair used with with Major. And and Major was very much, you know, that that figure of of pity. And that's exactly what they're now doing with with Sunak. There's actually an element of pity now in in the way that Labour are dealing with him. Um, Which I think is really, really uh, telling. When you start to just, you know, almost feel sorry for the man across at the other side of the house that just everything's happening and he's not in control and he's 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 too weak to take action that would maybe put a stop to this so he's now absolutely uh, at the mercy of events which is to a certain extent where Sunak was always going to be Sunak needed 2 years of everything going right to have even half of half a chance to be able to stand up with any form of credible argument you know we talked a couple of weeks ago about these five pledges that he said, judge me on, most of which, I think at least two or three, the forecasts are saying will happen. So he's actually come out and he said, judge me on this, when actually, you know, everybody said, well, inflation's going to fall. And he's and he's kind of saying, well, judge me on, on whether inflation falls. It's like, well, we all know it's going to fall. It's been forecast to fall. That's what, you know, if, if you don't get that, it means that something catastrophic's happened, not that you've done anything meaningful. And so on the back of that, which is a sign of weakness as well, we've now got the situation he's in at the, the moment. And I thought that was really, really, really telling uh, and gives an enormous amount of authority to Sunak in that space. Because, yeah, not Sunak, sorry, it's Starmer, because what Sunak's now left with is is just, is just, he's throwing out lines. He's throwing out lines that Johnson would have used that just don't work that just don't make any kind of sense at all. And we're going to start throwing out lines, you know, he's throwing out the Corbyn lines and he'll throw out the lines about, uh, well, the Labour Party X, for, you know, even though they're not been in power for 12 years. And that's that's the, that's the sign of somebody that's just A, weak and B, B, broken. Thursday. I've got a list of TFM episodes and it's there not to tell me the number of downloads, though it, it does tell me that information and that's ultimately where it came from. It's a, it's a, a list of a performance-based list. But it's there so I've got a list of every one of the song titles I've used to name an episode with so that when I come up with an idea for a song title, the first thing I do is I, I check that list to see if I've used it before because hundred nearly 160 episodes in, I've completely forgotten what I've I've used as references, and it's actually quite it's quite hard some weeks trying to find something in the episode uh, to to align with a uh, with a song title. Um, but I do like it. I've always liked it. It's one of the little quirks of of TFM, and I'm, and I certainly don't want that to stop. So I need this list then to help me out, and I probably will end up using some of them again. Um, but you know, um, as it stands at the moment, um, I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know. I don't know how I'll ever use Dirty Diana as a, as a uh, an episode title. There may be a reason when it comes along, but I'm not thinking there will be. So there's going to be a whole raft of songs where I can't ever use the title. Anyway, 
that's an aside. Um, I'm going to use It's All Coming Back to Me Now uh, this week. Um, and though Jim Steinman wrote it, and though Meatloaf recorded it, the uh, Celine Dion version is by far the best version. And I almost can't believe I'm saying that because I am not a natural Celine Dion fan. But her version of that, that song is fantastic because it's everything Steinman-esque it should be. It's got all the Steinman-esque things that you want. It's absolutely overblown. It's got huge bits of piano in it. It builds and it drops and it builds and it drops. And it's just it's just absolute stuff and nonsense. Fantastic. I love it. So we'll go with that. And the reason we're going with that is because my arms hurt. And the reason my arms hurt is because last Friday... Um, I went and played badminton with Josh because he's doing that as his individual sport for GCSE. And um, I used to play a lot of badminton. Badminton was my game when I was sort of, I think I started playing about 14, 15, and I played all the way through um, from there for sort of five or six years. And my two games became badminton and tennis. And... um, reasons for for tennis very much we had a tennis club in in the town I grew up in and it was easy for us all we used to just disappear down in school holidays and just take you know take stuff to eat and and go down and and we'd have a day just hanging out and playing tennis and badminton was one of those things I don't know why badminton started I think there was a somebody going who I knew and I started and I absolutely loved it and I I still think it's a great game Um, and so because I pl- I played to a reasonable standard, so I said to to, to Josh, look, let me give you some help, because actually I pro- I probably know more, or, or certainly as much about badminton as anybody you're going to find in school who might help you. So we went and we played, and it was fantastic. And we started on just some basic clear shots, and we were just working on getting the getting the shuttlecock as far back in the court as you could, because that's your that's your fastest route in badminton of defending yourself is to is to force your opponent back because it buys you time and it gives you the attack shots the ability for the attack shots and so we did that and it was fantastic my timing was woeful started started to pick up towards the end and there's a thing in badminton where if you hit a shot right there's a sound it's like a deep thud that you get and when you get that deep thud it's like yeah my, my timing's on that's the connection I want to hear. That's the sound that the shuttlecock leaving the racket should make if you've kind of got... Because badminton's all timing. It's not about power. Don't try and hit a shuttlecock hard. It's about. It's absolutely about timing. And I did get a little bit, towards the end, a little bit where that was starting to happen. Hence the choice of song. So I'm going with Celine. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> It's about a year since I started as a um, governor at the high school. And one of the first things that came up in conversation was I suggested, uh, because my role is is based a lot around cultural curriculum and those kind of things, one of the things I suggested was uh, a podcast club. And I did some work, I spoke to the uh, English department, and we got this, you know, they they, they got the idea of, of how useful podcasting would be. And it certainly is a support for uh, subjects like English and history and sort of in terms of building arguments and, and structure and those kind of things, they, they, they you know, it's it's... To a certain extent, it's like the audio version of building an essay. So they they, they got the concept and uh, ran with it. And around about um, sort of Christmas time, this podcast club started. And I was invited in um, 
this week to to come and talk to the students because uh, about forty students have, have expressed an interest. So they've got a they've got a membership of about forty with regularly getting about twenty five to thirty a week. And we're at the point where those students now are starting to do trailers. They've put some thoughts into what they want to do it on, and they've started recording trailers. And I listened to a few of the trailers uh, and was there to answer questions and to help with any technical bits and just talk about what I've done with podcasting as well. And it was fantastic. Some of these trailers were really, really superb. They they were so creative. Um, and they got the th- that thing that kids do, and I shouldn't say kids, students do, young people do, um, where they they don't let the boundaries hold them back. So if they want to do something but they don't know how to do it, then they just find a workaround. So there was one one podcast um, where they decided that they were just going to talk about anything. So we're going we're gonna to just talk about questions to do with anything on earth, which I think is beautiful because you're not limiting yourself there. You know, your content's very, very easy because actually it's literally anything. Um, and they wanted to get over the enormity of, of what they were doing. So... And they hadn't got any kind of effects or anything. So they just sang a fanfare, which I just thought was wonderful. Uh, and, and exactly, because why wouldn't you do that if that's what you wanted? And there were a couple of other ones, just the way they were talking and some of the thought that was coming through in, t- in terms of the structure and what have you. And it was just really, really, it was really energizing and it was really inspirational um, to be around. So I'm really pleased that podcasts club's going well i'm pleased that there's so many students expressing an interest and we had a great session yesterday and i just talked through some of the things that i'd done and we talked about um you know honesty and we talked about passion and we talked about credibility and all the things that you can get with a podcast where podcasts work best is when they are genuine and they're real and they and and that the passion seeps through them and you know, and that definitely was the case with you know with the work I've heard. And I'm going to go back in and help, and maybe help record some first episodes. So, really, really nice thing to be involved in, and a lovely way to finish the week. And on that, I'm going to leave you. I uh, hope you're well. I uh, hope everything's going to okay in your world this week. Uh, I'm now going to go for a run in just so I can then be at football training for ten o'clock. So, but then once I've done that, I'm going to sit down. So that'll be that'll be the break. But I need to do. Um, I've got a 10k scheduled in for this morning, so I've got a long one coming up. So uh, wish me luck, uh, but at least the weather's okay, uh, and I'll speak to you next week. If you've enjoyed therapy for me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.